Welcome back to Talking Grit. At what episode Grit are we on now? I don't. I think it's number. I don't know. It's in the twenties, high twenties, I think. I don't think it's in the high twenties. No. It might be twenty. I think it's high twenties. My name is Matt. I mean, <laughs> no, my- it's not. It's Cassie. <laughs> my name's Matt. <laughs> My name is Cassie, and we have a super special guest in the studio headquarters office today. Um, we have Lisa Michelson. She is one of our master instructors. I also call you a founding instructor because... Oh, I like that. She's a founding instructor, which yeah. means she opened Grit Cycle in Costa Mesa in 2013. Yep with Matt and Marisa and other founding instructors. And she's been here ever since. We've never yeah. let her escape. Are you the only one that's yes. left? Just me. You. Yeah. yeah. And, then, wow. and then probably me. And then who else? Caitlin. Caitlin's Danielle Habedank. Lee. And then like everybody else. But came. not from day one. But from day yeah. one, no. It's yeah. just... Matt, Marisa, and Lisa. Cool. She's pretty amazing. Can't get rid of me. Yeah. Can't get rid of her. So she's a master instructor. Um, and she uh, is just all around super cool. And we brought her in today because we have, it's Gritty Up season. So the Gritty Up is coming up. Uh, May 31st is the party at the Lido House Hotel in Newport Beach. And then on June 1st, we're going to have 100 bikes in the Lido House Hotel. So exciting. And we're going to ride for three hours. And we are going to raise money for the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. To date, how much have we raised, Matt? $1.2 million. That's freaking awesome. Just over awesome. $1.2 million. I know. That's so amazing. It's, a, it's amazing. And this it's year... It's a lot of money. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> we have a goal to raise $400,000 this year for the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. And the way that we raise the money is through a silent auction that happens on May 31st. We have sponsors that sponsor the event um that help us raise money and then we have the people who are going to be riding in the ride the three-hour ride on june 1st they all have donation pages uh team set up and they should even, have donation pages should, by now by now and then even people who aren't riding uh, people like lisa myself instructors who might be teaching and staff members all create donation pages you can find these pages by going to gritcycle.com looking for the gritty up tab click on that start poking around you'll eventually end up on the donation pages or just go to the grit guru on instagram and go to his bio <laughs> and my link is right there so you can click Click on it and donate right to my to, team. To your baby, to your team. <laughs> and all of the money that is raised uh, goes to the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. So we thought we were going to bring, we thought we would bring Lisa in today to talk a little bit about her involvement in the Gritty Up and why it has become increasingly more important to you and your family. Yeah, I mean, I remember the, I remember the first year we did the Gritty Up. And I don't even really remember the first was, two. That was a long was a time long ago. Time ago. <laughs> but I just remember thinking like, like I get like goosebumps even just thinking about it. Like it just was, it's, unexp- like it's unexplainable. You just can't explain the energy in the room. It's just all these amazing people that come together and ride for something bigger than ourselves, right? Like we're... We're in that room to 
raise money to, you know, for the John Wayne Cancer Foundation to do this like amazing thing to help support people all over, all over the country who, I mean, like the John Wayne Cancer Foundation is just this incredible foundation. And so it just, it feel there's, it just feels so different in there. Like the energy is different. And like the first year that we did it, it, like when it was over, I was like, oh my gosh, we have to wait another year to do that. <laughs> like that was so much fun. Yeah. Like, oh, and then every year, just I look forward to it every single year. I think it is just one of the most incredible things that we do. It's just you can't. You just have to be a part of it. You just even if, like I I always tell people like even if you don't have a bike, like like go to the party, experience it, connect with people, just, just be there, be present, just see what it feels like to be in this community that supports this bigger cause, you know? And, um, yeah, the first year, the first year we didn't get a bike. I just taught. And then, um, the second year we actually didn't get a bike because that was, right after Zach Zach was diagnosed. So my husband in December of 2014 was diagnosed with bladder cancer. And, um, and I remember like, I mean, the first year was very chaotic. It was just, there was so much going on in our life and we were at the hospital pretty much every week. And it was very, um, I don't, I like my brain can't even explain it in words like it just you're going through so many different emotions and the thing that I always went back to was grit like it was my place of sanity Mm -hmm. um it was my sanctuary it was a place that I felt like I could um ride through emotions with people who were supporting me and they didn't even know because initially I didn't really share Mm -hmm. what was going on um, but that first, the second year we didn't, we didn't get a bike cause it just, there was, you know, a lot with his health and he was, um, he had a couple surgeries and just was going through, um, pretty intense treatment. And then the year after that though, we did get a bike and it was, he actually said he wanted to get a bike and I was really proud of him for doing that because it, it showed me that it was important to him to mm-hmm. do something bigger than himself and to raise money for this foundation um and so we got we got a bike that year and um got to ride and and um and then I got to teach obviously and um it it just it it shifted the 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 meaning of that bike was it was different like that room was different for me it was different for him and I after his diagnosis just because it you know cancer cancer touches so many people's lives like for at some point all of us it'll affect us some way somehow even if it's not us directly it'll affect a family member because it just it affects so many people um luckily he was diagnosed with a cancer that was very curable they caught it um it hadn't spread and um so we knew that it was just going to be a it sounds horrible to say an inconvenience, but like Mm -hmm. we knew that his health overall would get to a point that it was, he'd be healthy again and not have to be going to the hospital every, every couple weeks for treatment. It was just in that moment, we just had to kind of take it on and do it and just get through it. And then eventually he would be able to come out the other side and not have it 
be an inconvenience to his life anymore. Um, but I remember when it happened, I think I shared, maybe sh- I think I shared it with you guys pretty early on. And Marisa instantly was like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Tell me exactly what you need. Who do you need? Like, who can I connect you to? And she did. And um, we ended up finding a great, a, like an amazing doctor at UCI. So we ended up doing Zach's treatment and stuff through UCI. But she was just like, instantly was like, like, I'm here for you. Like, whatever you need. And then you guys were just like, we're here for you. Like, whatever you need. Like, just just tell us. Like, we, we got you, you know? Yeah. And that was incredible for me to just feel that support system and 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 I know that I know that the universe works in a really amazing way and orchestrated me being at grit during that time during that time yeah. like I know it did because it like I don't I mean I I know I could have gotten through it but without grit but having grit just made it so much more manageable yeah and you know the first time I cried in class was like when I shared about my husband yeah and and it allowed me the the avenue and that like the opportunity to be vulnerable with people and realize like wow people do want to support you because I think a lot of times we forget that people want to be there for us because we think like I got this, I can do it. Like I can do it on my own. And we yeah. forget that people want to support us. I mean, also, I th- and I think that that is one of the um, important parts of uh, the Grit Cycle community is that our writers, our clients, derive so many benefits from you as an instructor. Yeah. That for you to be able to say and share something like that they are there to help because they want to give back to you to your family and then ultimately that is what we're cultivating is why so many people give back through the John Wayne Cancer Foundation or any other initiative that we bring up you know there's always people there and I but I think that that starts with whether it's they're walking into a beautiful facility and they feel welcomed they encounter staff and they feel valued and then they take a class from you and they feel like you're giving it the your all yeah in a time when they might need you whether it's for a calorie burn to a stress relief to recovery from a traumatic experience whatever you've given that to them so however they can give back to you was super important to them yeah so it might have been with whatever you needed you and zach needed at the time yeah same with matt and marisa wanting to give back to you whether it was whatever you needed at that time personally or through the john wayne cancer foundation that is so key and important yeah and so being able to accept it i think was probably hard for you at first because you are a strong yeah independent person and a private couple yeah right? yeah yeah and yeah um i'm more open to sharing to sh- kind of sharing what we went through um zach's very very private mm-hmm. and doesn't you know talk about it a whole lot um but um and that's not just with the public that's with me too like we don't really talk about it much at home either you know because i think it's like it's just it's so much for him that 
it, like to talk about it on top of everything that mm-hmm. he's gone through. I think he kind of wants to keep it in a separate box. And, mm-hmm. and so I've learned to respect that and, and have allowed him to kind of process it and deal with it in the way that's best for him. And I just try to reassure him like, oh, I'm just, I'm here. You know, I went to every single one of his appointments, mm-hmm. every single one of them. Um, and I, I can't do anything in the appointment. I can't help in any way, but I'm just there for emotional support for him. And um, I'm very blessed that I, I have a job that allows me to do that, that allows me to go in the middle of the day. And I mean, sometimes we'd be at the hospital for three and a half hours. Like it just, but I'm lucky that I have the, the ability to do that. And that his job too was respectful of it and, and, you know, understood that the situation was not easy and they, and he didn't miss a beat. I mean, he literally, he would have treatment, he'd come home and he would work as much as he could until it literally physically couldn't mm-hmm. work anymore. And because when you get the treatment administered, you get really, really severe flu-like symptoms, but it takes like a couple hours for it to set in. So every round of treatment would be kind of, it would be a little different because when you're in a treatment cycle, it also builds up in your body. So the farther he'd get into treatment, he would get sick earlier earlier on. Um, but he just, he never missed a beat. He would come home and just do everything he could. And, and he just, I admired that so much about him. He didn't, he just didn't let it stop him and I, from doing what he wanted to do. You know, he didn't let it define him. It was just, well, this is just what it is right now and we'll get through it and, you know, and move on with our yeah. life. And, but I mean, for me, what we went through with, with his diagnosis and his treatment, I mean, I feel like it affected, not affected me, but changed me as a human being on a really deep level for the better like what are and and we're i know we're gonna get personal and this is like deep and matt's watering up the man watering up (laughs) (laughs) but this is why we wanted to have you in is that you know like last year at the end of the gritty up um the people that raised the most amount of money donated their trip to a cancer survivor brain cancer survivor through the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, and we were able to put a face with where all of this money goes. And that's why I wanted to bring you in and some of the other people that we're gonna bring in in the next couple months, because I want people to have a face or a story or someone that they can look to and know how this affect, how cancer affects people in a negative way and I'm not saying cancer has affected you in a positive way, but I know that we've had conversations and yeah. you've said things to me where um, how it's changed you. And you just said it just changed you for the yeah. better. Yeah. And so I want people to understand that the stories are all different and the, why an organization like the John Wayne Cancer Foundation is so vital because it's not just about curing cancer. It's right. about educating people. It's about helping the families. Um, it's just... It's, and it's everything supporting and supporting people. the families. Yeah. So how did it change you for the, we're saying something so positive. How did it change you for the better? Um, I would say that, and I, and I, I think my husband would agree with this too. Um, I, 
was a very, um, like when we met, I was very stubborn and was raised to be very strong and not necessarily opinionated, but like, um, like when he and I would have discussions, um, I had a really, really bad habit of like talking over him and just dominate. I just, I always felt this need to dominate in situations. Like I always wanted to be right. I always, like I need, I, I needed that at the end of the day. And when he got his diagnosis, it humbled me as his wife because I was put in a position in which I, I did it and would do it a million times again where I, I needed to take care of him with no um, acknowledgement. Um, and that's okay, you know, because he, he needed somebody to take care of him and be there for him, even though he didn't want it all the time. <laughs> um, and I had to force it on him sometimes, but his diagnosis, it just, it humbled me and it really dramatically shifted my perspective on life. Um, I, I had a certain perspective of what I wanted from my life and kind of how I thought life should be and I would get upset at little things or frustrated about little things or um, irritated about X, Y, and Z not being done and just, you know, kind of those daily things and then our life just within 24 hours like dramatically shifted and that day, like I will never forget the day that we went to the doctor and they did they did what's called a cystoscopy, which is where they go in with the camera. <clears throat> and I was in the room and um, before they did the procedure, the doctor's doctor was young. He was like late thirties maybe. Great bedside manner, awesome doctor. We loved him, he was awesome. But he was like, hey, you know, you're young, you're healthy most likely we're not going to find anything, you know, cause Zach had a couple symptoms, but he was like, most likely we're not going to find anything and we'll do some other things. And do you want to just like not do, do this because it's very painful. Mm -hmm. And Zach was like, well, I'm here. I'm like on the table, <laughs> like, let's just do it. Like, let's just do like, let's just go, let's just do it. I mean, I'm here, let's do it. You know? And so doctor was like, okay. So, you know, we did the cystoscopy and I just remember sitting in the room and there was like a TV monitor and like looking at the expression of, on the doctor's face when he saw the tumor, mm -hmm. it, it, like he was just, he was shocked and he literally couldn't say anything. I mean, Zach was 31 at mm -hmm. the time and typically people that get, di get diagnosed with bladder cancer are 65 and older. So he's a major outlier and just... I think, and he's the second youngest person at UCI to ever be diagnosed with bladder cancer. And so the doctor was just shocked and stunned. And he, I, I could tell that he knew it was cancer based on the structure of the tumor and how it was, how the cells were, had mutated and formed and stuff, but he didn't want to tell us 
in that moment that it was, he, they wanted to go in, remove it, test it, and all that kind of stuff. And then after that, they his doctor was so amazing that he made them retest it, which is why Zach ended up having to go and have a second surgery because they found some more aggressive cancer cells within the tumor. And so he just wanted to be extra cautious. And so he went in and had a second surgery. Um, but I just, I'll never forget that day, like sitting in the office and having him come in and talk to us. And, and, and I could see this like internal challenge within Zach and, it's, it's almost like you hear what the doctor says, but you're not fully processing what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we we went to Cheesecake Factory that night and ate a piece of <laughs> all those op- All those options. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. We were, like, leaving the hospital, and we were like, so what should we do? And I was like, do you want a piece of cheesecake? And we went and ate a piece of cheesecake. I don't know why we did it, but and then we just sat there and ate cheesecake and kind of just like looked at each other like, well, hmm, okay. Um, you know, it's, it's like someone's handing you whatever, a, a baby, and you don't even know like what to do with yeah, it. And yeah, and Like so, what do we do now? Yeah, it just, it was, it was very weird. And um, so then obviously, you know, we made arrangements and everything for him to, have a surgery and then and then and then we definitively found out that it was cancer and when when we called my family they started laughing because they thought we were joking like they Mm -hmm. they were just like oh my gosh shut up what are you talking about like we're like well no no we're actually they were being serious like Zach has bladder cancer and they were like what what like they like Mm -hmm. it's just it's Cancer is this like big, really super scary word, right? It's like you hear cancer and it just, it kind of like overwhelms you. Like you, I think we kind of see that like death acts like in our brain, like when it comes up. And luckily for Zach, it, the the kind of cancer he had, what that's not usually what happens from what he had. It didn't come from any anywhere else in his body. It was localized. Usually bladder cancers look very local. And so then we decided do what was necessary to get him back to being healthy so we were very blessed in that sense that it it was just a localized cancer Mm -hmm. and a lot of other people aren't that lucky you know but for me it just it it shifted my perspective the things that used to bother me or irritate me or make me mad just they didn't matter Mm -hmm. anymore it didn't matter it didn't matter if there were 50 dishes in the sink or if the trash hadn't been taken out or if someone did something in a way that drove me crazy like it just none of that mattered anymore yeah and we were just occupied and focused on him and his health and just getting him to a place where he felt like we were loving and supporting him in the best way we knew how and all those other things just didn't matter. Didn't, didn't matter anymore. And so it shifted my perspective a lot just on life. And I started becoming just a, a more calm person, a more peaceful person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I'm still human, so judgment comes into my brain occasionally, but way less judgmental human being. I just, um, I think before I react to things, I really just try to be the the best human I can be for my friends and, and my family. And his diagnosis like showed me parts of who I am that were very selfish that needed to change. 
And, you know, being there for someone for three years when they're going through something really hard is, it's exhausting. And a lot of times the person that's taking care of the person gets overlooked and doesn't, um, they're not really like the focus of, you know, the, of the situation. And I had to really put my ego aside and just do things that were hard for me to do mm-hmm. and do it just without any expectation. And so it just, it taught me to be I call more, that securing your place in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call that in my house. Yeah. So it just, it just, it taught me to, to just, um, be okay with just giving and having no expectation, which was really hard for me. Cause I think a lot of us give and as humans, there's always some level of expectation of return. Yeah. And until you're in a situation in which you, you literally, that's all you can do is give. And, you know, to watch, to watch my husband be in excruciating pain and not be able to do anything is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And it humbles you and it, it, it grounds you. It really like rocks you to your core. Yeah. And, you know, for the first like year of his, um, you know, surgeries and is the, the first year was definitely the most intense, like with surgeries and treatments. And I was definitely very numb mm-hmm. in that first year, like just kind of surviving and it, there was so much going on and I didn't want to burden other people with what I was going through and I didn't want to burden him. So you just absorbed I, it all. So, right. So here I am like not speaking to my husband about it because he has already so much going on. <clears throat> and then I'm not wanting to burden anybody else Mm -hmm. with the level of emotion I'm experiencing. But what I did was I created an environment which I just numbed myself for a year. And, you know, so I'm I'm very open to it, open to the fact that I went to therapy. I went Mm -hmm. to therapy and I sat there and she's like, why are you here? I'm like, I'm numb. Mm -hmm. I'm completely numb. I have just been surviving for the last year and my brain literally has just... I'm not feeling anything anymore. And I didn't like that. I didn't like not feeling anything. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I was like going through the motions every day and showing up and smiling when I needed to smile and then checking out when I could check out. And, and I didn't, I didn't like that. I wanted to be able to be my authentic self and, and be emotional and cry and say, I'm not okay. Like I'm struggling. I'm not doing well today. Like, Mm -hmm. and that was what helped me kind of like realize who I really truly wanted to be like every day of my life was I had to go all the way to not feeling anything to realize the power of feeling emotion and then embracing emotion and learning that I need to allow myself to grieve and allow myself to not be okay in a situation and look to people for support and you know be okay with not being okay what are you gonna say matt i was just i've just been thinking just about how like in that situation how hard it is to teach 
Yeah. But at the same time, it's like the thing that you need the most. Like exactly. it's, it's exhausting. But if you decide you want to take the week off because you're emotional, then you're like, then you don't have those 50 people right. supporting you. So it's yeah, like, yeah. it's a catch 22 and it's it super stressful. Like, cause you're always putting a smile on your face, pretending like nothing's wrong. And even though you know it's wrong mm -hmm. and then, but you also need that feeling that you get in there too. So it's just like sure. in the reverse of coming to ride, I think a lot of instructors get that same feeling when they teach. It's like, it's rewarding. It makes you feel better. But it's like, it's so taxing emotionally yeah. that it's hard when you leave there. Like, mm -hmm. like you get in your car and you're like, holy shit, yeah. I can just like fall asleep. I could cry. Yeah. I could laugh. I could do all that stuff like yeah. right then. All the things. But I think that's also what makes it really powerful is because it, it pulls that stuff out of you. Yeah. You know? It's, we get a lot out of teaching. Oh my gosh. Get, <laughs> I mean, it's... I, I always tell people it's the best job in the whole world. It like can I be just, really good. Yeah, there are tough parts to it, just like any job you have. And, and you know, I'm not going to lie. There were days I stepped into the studio and I was like, I don't want to effing be here today. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm struggling to even put clothes on my body. <laughs> like, And now I want to go in and motivate people. Now I need to go in and motiv motivate and inspire people. Yeah. But what is so amazing about that room is I think... If you, and this is like a tangent of, of instructors, is like, that's why I always tell people have a routine. Cause like, no matter how I was feeling before I walked in the room, when I walked in the room, something changed. Mm -hmm. My brain shifted. It, it, whatever was going on outside of the room, not that it didn't matter, but it was like the next 45 minutes, I get to just be with these people. Mm -hmm. And, I get to just ride and, and sweat and be in a dark room and listen to music and be in the moment with them, you know? And I definitely, like, struggled. Like I said, I was really numb for about the first year. But then after that, when I kind of broke through that numbness, like, it's the most present I've ever felt with other human beings. Yeah. Because... I finally was at a place where I was allowing myself to be vulnerable and being okay with being vulnerable. And then taking what I had gone through and letting other people know, like, no matter what you have going, you don't have to tell me what's going on, mm -hmm. but whatever you have going on outside of this room, like, it's okay. Like, just step in here. Like, just clip in. Like, we'll get through it together. And you yeah. don't have to explain it. You don't have to, you know, you don't. And it's just allowing yourself to kind of just be with other human beings is very powerful. But you have to allow it to happen. You have to get in you there to, and do it. Yeah, you got to just be, be in that room and let it happen. And so, yeah, like, teaching was, there were days that were really tough, but... I wouldn't have changed it for the world because, like, I, I don't even know if I slept down a class. I don't even think I don't, he was ever. I don't. Think I don't know did. if I did during because we always like Zach knew he kind of always knows like how important teaching is to me, and so we would schedule, schedule around it, around it. You know, be like, "What well, we have to do in the middle of the day?" And he was like, "Okay, that's fine," because it was you know it worked with his schedule too. It wasn't an issue, and like because grit was my sanity. Like it was my place. I went to. Yeah. It was probably the only thing that you were doing at that time that was 
helping you when you couldn't, when you were numb, when you were giving so much to him. Yeah. Even though you were giving to the clients. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's I'm I I don't know. I think we could do this a lot more, <laughs> <laughs> but we have to have a limit on our podcast. I know, right? Um, we wrap it up as I know. Way. I don't know how I'm going to wrap that up, other than to say like all of those feelings that Lisa described. You we will feel them like a thousand times over during that gritty up ride. That's three oh, God, hours yeah. long. It's yes. it is fun as all get out it's inspiring it's motivating it's goosebump inducing like i have right now um so if you can come to the gritty up if you can come to the party if you can donate something to the silent auction if you could be a sponsor if you could put a donation on someone's matt's page on go to katie osumi's page go to katie osumi's instagram <laughs> handle don't <laughs> don't go there um if you can track lisa down in the studio and ask what they can what you can do to help like just throw five dollars at the front desk and say put this on your gritty up page yeah. like it's every it's everything because yeah. I think I, I think people don't realize how much good they're doing mm-hmm. even just with like a five or ten dollar donation yep because it's just it's so much bigger than we can even put into words yeah. right it's like this last greedy up we did Zach literally had his last round of treatment. So he had been in treatment for three and a half years. His last round of treatment was that week of the Gritty Up. Yeah. And I just remember being at the Gritty Up and just thinking, like, God, this is so fucking awesome. (laughs) Yeah. This is just amazing. Like amazing. All these people, like, coming together and just supporting this cause. And it is. It's it's every word that you said. It's inspiring and motivating and emotional and, like, and... That's what that's what makes it just the the bat. I mean, like crickets lit was pretty awesome, but, yeah. gritty, up, <laughs> but, but gritty up is is it's, it's next just level. it's next level. It's it is yeah, it's different. And you you go to it, and you don't really realize who's there and yeah. who's like whose life you're impacting yeah. and affecting yeah. until you go and you experience it. Yeah. And you see it. You know, that's awesome. So we're gonna have you back on again to talk about deeper things or lighter things sure but matt matt gets to ask the last question yeah so what's lisa's billboard say oh what is lisa's billboard say yeah Yeah, a personal mantra a sales pitch or whatever you want to put on there if you had a billboard what would it say um that's a really good question Hmm. Can you edit out the silence? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I, I feel like that that's so that's it's hard to come up. I mean, I guess I would try to think of something that I try to live by every day. And um how about this? Cuz we did this to Caitlin. We're going to have to ask Caitlin to put her post up. Think about it. And then I want you to do an Instagram post and say that we gave you this challenge and put in your post what your billboard would say. Okay. So follow Lisa on Instagram at... Lisa Michelson, L-I-S-A-M-I-K-E-L-S-O-N. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, go to gritcycle.com, 
click on the Gritty Up tag tab to find all things Gritty Up. And um, thanks for making all of us cry. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Lisa. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.